And that's, that's obviously not verbatim, but that's the gist of what he said. And uh, at the time I had been using a notebook for everything. And I'm like, huh. Hello everyone. And welcome to living a life through books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today I am chatting with author M.P. Erickson. M.P. Erickson is the author of Lost Boys, Stewards and Shadows, his first published work of many yet to come. Aside from writing, he is very passionate about teaching. He's grateful that he was able to immerse himself in educating young minds for years of his life. Outside of work, M.P. Erickson enjoys a family life full of love, laughter, and storytelling. Before I bring up our conversation, I wanted to say that your support of my podcast would mean a lot to me. The easiest way is to buy me a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash LLTB podcast. Every coffee you buy me helps keep me alert and this podcast going. I'll add the link in the show notes and I thank you. Erickson was fun to chat with, as you'll see, and he most certainly kept me on my toes. I tried to match his wit, but uh, there's only so much I can do. Anyway, let's get to my conversation with M.P. Erickson. Michael, welcome to the Living a Life Through Books podcast. I'm excited to have you here. And uh, I understand you wrote this uh, fantasy book. Is that right? Lost Boys? Yeah. So tell me about that. Like, how does someone just wake up one morning and decide to write a fantasy book? And what's that process? What is that all like? Tell me. Oh, man. Um, I guess it's cumulative, honestly. Like, an amalgamation of experience all clustered together. I've been writing since I was a kid. I had a friend growing up. I actually, he's still my friend. I love the guy. Brock Sansom was his name and uh, he would write. And I was writing short stories and never told him about it, but he was the kid that always wrote and I'd always read his stuff. Uh, I would read fantasy. And to me as a kid, I was, I was a weird kid. I was such a weird, annoying kid. Like, why do you remember, say that? Oh, because it's true. It, it was undeniably true. Um, I had, oh gosh, I probably shouldn't tell you this story, but you're going to hear it anyway. Well, it's uh, on the podcast. It's going to record. So let's keep going. Let's just keep it going. Keep <laughs> let's it going. Let's keep it going. I had the, in sixth grade, I had a, I remember this moment to this day, there was this kid named Rocky Big Smoke. And he was like the cool kid. Him and Darcy were the cool kids in the class, right? Right. And I brought this sack of toys to school with me. And I called it my safety bag. And if people got too close, I would swing it around wildly. That's not, that's a weird kid. That's a kid who's not good at socializing is what it is. No, that's not true. That's not true. I'd been homeschooled for a stint. And I came back and I remember the moment that this, this Rocky guy looked at me and he's like, Hey, and he was like, going to say something to me, like reach out and be nice. And I just started swinging the bag around and he looked at me like, what is this kid doing? Like, and then from that moment forward, he was like, I just don't talk to this kid. Stay away from me. You're weird. And then looking back, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I would have been annoyed by young Michael too. And so I didn't have a, a, a lot of people that I was super close to that I would just like friends I would hang out with. And so to me, reading was an escape, so to speak. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. A nice little getaway and uh, fantasy in particular. So I wanted to write my take on fantasy because all these different ones, I'm like, Oh, I like this. I don't like that. I don't like that about your book. Or I like this. And I don't like that about your book. And I wanted to create that world for me. The, so what, the one that I thought would be like the perfect fantasy world. So now I'm curious, what elements of fantasy do you not like? Like in the books you've read, you're like, I like this. What were the elements that you thought, mm, I don't like this. And okay, so, how did you avoid those in your books? Like, I mean, like, for example, yeah. if I were to say, I don't like 
the bad guys. I mean, I'm always watching a movie, I'm reading the, a book and I'm going, I just don't like the bad guys. This was, this was me all the time with my husband. I just don't like the bad guys, but <laughs> I can't create. I mean, it, it creates great tension when you have bad guys, just because I don't like bad guys doesn't mean I, oh. So yeah. what kind of elements that you felt you didn't like um, in fantasy? I I don't like bad guys either, actually. Okay. Um, a good villain, to me, like, oh, how do I even explain that thought? So to me, a good villain is one that is dynamic. Okay. Um, for example, and I'm not picking on Harry Potter at all because I love the Harry Potter series. It's in my top five favorite book series of all time. Sure. Um, I felt like the Voldemort villain had little to no depth for a character who did so much. He who cannot in, be named. He yeah. who cannot be named. Not, yeah, he who must not be named. Yes, my apologies. Yeah, I don't yes, want okay. his Death Eaters to show up and take me to- Yes, yes, no, I mean, like, just want to uh, clarify no. that, yeah. Okay, does not have depth, okay. Yeah, um, I like a character with depth um, in Star Wars. Or, I don't know if you are a Star Wars fan at all. Not a fan, but I kind of know the universe. Darth the Vader, Emperor, you're talking about? The Emperor. Okay, Darth I don't Sidious. know. Him. Okay. Uh, the the guy with the cloak, the bad guy that's Darth Vader's boss, that guy. I don't know if you know who he is. Okay. Um, there was a novel written about him and Darth Plagueis called Darth Plagueis. Okay. And it just added so much depth to that character. And so, like, contrast that with he who must not be named, Voldemort. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Voldemort character because it just feels flat. And so for me, I don't like a bad guy who's just like evil for evil's sake. I, I don't like that. I like a bad guy who has an agenda because I don't, th I personally don't believe people start off as evil. Um, I think that the, oh, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions is the right. saying, I think. Right. Um, I, I, I believe that. I buy into that completely. And so I don't like just bad guys who are just evil. Um, I like them to have depth. And so that's something I do like. So that, that's one of the things I do and don't like. Another thing um, I don't like about some magic or some books is their magic systems. Okay. I like to have in the, the books that I partake a big in-depth magic system. And that being said, I'm not going to throw a book away if it's not. Because like there's, there's this one book I just finished reading. Have you heard of the Name of the Wind series by Patrick Rothfuss, I think his name is? I think I own the book. I think it's behind me. Hold on a sec. Um, the Man's Wife Fear and the Name of the Wind. Yeah, I have it. Yeah. I haven't read it yet. I, I, I own it. I have not read it yet. That magic system in that book, and this is, might be, seem a little controversial once you read it because a lot of people love it. I didn't, think it was, I didn't think it was anything special. I didn't care for it. But the way the man weaves a story together is phenomenal. Um, it's... It's really good. It's really, really good. Okay, I haven't read it. Like I bought it. The only reason I own it is because I was at Barnes and Noble and the people at Barnes and Noble said that Lin-Manuel Miranda bought the rights to the series. Although, you know, part three hasn't even been released yet and he bought the rights to the series. So I thought- It's been written for years. I wanna, you know, I said, what is this? I'm gonna read it. Well, yeah. with all of these, everything else behind my- uh, behind me but anyway let's get back to your book and the writing how okay, long let's yeah let's how long did it take you to write the book oh that's a good question so I it's the first thing that I've published it's not the first thing I've written but it's the first thing that I've published sure um which means that I still work full-time which okay. means and I have four little kids I've got a wife we just moved we're busy so writing is something that the, the moments are precious and treasured, but sure. they're not often. Um, and so as far as actual writing time, I honestly believe if I were able to do that full time, I, I think I could write the entire novel in a month. Wow. I don't think that, that would be a stretch. Editing's another story. I hate editing. I so hate what did you, what, since you hate editing and editing's another story, let's talk about the other story. What did you do to edit? I just buckled down and did it. So you didn't get a developmental editor or a content editor. So everything was you. Yeah. And it's reflected in the pages, my poor editing. 
my cousin Michelle is reading it right now and she sent a message to me. I found a grammar mistake and I'm like, yep, there's a few of those. You'll find a couple more. But okay. uh, there's different additions that have been already made where I go through it and I take the ones that I find and I fix them. But there's a couple in there that I just, it was endearing to me and I was being sentiment, sentimental about it for whatever reason and I just left it. Even though I hate editing, it, I wanted this dream to become a reality. And so I just pushed through, I just worked and did it, so. So your book is on um, Amazon, is that right? Yeah, so the, the paperback is on Amazon, the hardback is on Barnes and Noble and the audio is on Audible. How do you do this? So if you have this manuscript, how do you, edit, not edit, but I mean, um, when I talk about edit, I mean format. How do yeah. you format it? And how do you get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and all of that? How, how do you do that? Yeah. So they each have the, they, they give you guides and regulations for how your files have to be formatted. Mm -hmm. And then you upload it on Amazon. The easiest way to do it is to upload it as a PDF. Otherwise their auto formatter is, uh, it messed, it messed it up the first time we loaded it a lot, a lot. I'm, I was going to say it's junk, but honestly, it might be that I just uploaded it wrong. I don't know. Okay. And so they said, alternatively, you can do a PDF after you've done the manual changes. So my wife and I did the manual changes together. And uh, yeah, we uploaded it that way. We had to figure out how to put graphics in the text. Right. Because there's the, it's the Lost Boys series and there's a particular logo that's going to be on the side of every book. And so whenever there's a page break, we thought it'd be cool to have the logo in there real small with the little lines coming off the side. And sure. so we had to figure out how to do that. And then we uploaded it as a PDF after following their very specific formatting rules. And so that's what we did. That's what we did. It, it um, sounds it challenging was a lot to me. of work. Yeah, it sounds I don't- challenging. I, I'm not good at computers. And so I'm really grateful I had my wife for that. Right. I'm really grateful. <laughs> Uploading the cover art was a pain in the butt. My wife taught herself how to use PhotoMonkey, Photoshop, and their own in their own built-in uh, software. I don't remember what they were called, but their own built-in okay. software for each site just to do that for us. And so, uh, like, mad props to her. She's awesome. So how did you get the cover art? Who did the art? Okay, that is a good question. So one of them... I have another friend who had written a book and he had gone onto one of the online talent finding sites. Okay. And he, he's like, I hired this guy from Turkey. I reached out to the guy, the guy, his artist was really busy. Um, but he brought a level of realism that I thought was pretty cool. Okay. And then I found another artist on that same site who ended up costing a fraction of the amount and his art was really good. And that's for the, the regular, you can go buy it edition. And then there's a special edition that my sister actually painted the art for. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, it looks good. It's right over there. Unless my daughter moved it. She keeps grabbing it. Cause she, she's reading it. Uh -huh. My book right now. And, uh, she wants to read the special one, Well, but yeah, it's, it's a limited edition. I only printed off a few number of copies and I took it down off Barnes and Noble's website. Okay. So, so yeah, there is a family edition that at the family edition, my sister did the pain for so and, Amazon uh, has paperback, yeah. Barnes and Noble yep. has the hardback, uh -huh. and Amazon also has the Audible version of your book. Yes. Yeah, it does. So Okay. How do you, do you find your uh, narrator? Um, a Renaissance fair. <laughs> really? You found a narrator at a Ren fair? So the Ren fair up here, it started a few years ago. It was tiny. It was tiny. The narrator, his name is Matthew Jensen. Um, that was, uh, that process took a long time. The, the audiobook. I think it took longer than either him or I anticipated it would took, but right. life has a way of throwing curveballs at people and it wasn't his sure. full-time job, but yeah. So he started a Renaissance fair and we went to the very first Renaissance fair and we loved it. And then we went to the second one and I got involved and I started helping with the Renaissance fair. Meanwhile, he was doing the audiobook for my friend who showed me the cover art guy. But uh, he didn't do the actual audio for the book. He just did the editing. Whereas okay. he was the voice and editor for mine. And uh, I think he did a terrific job. I really like it. There's a couple of scenes where he, I feel like he brings the characters to life in the exact way I envisioned. And I love it. I think he does a, I think he does a really good job. And then there's a few scenes that are just exceptional. 
So, props wow. Yeah. So where uh, rent fair? Where uh, where is this at? What are we? Okay, so at? that was in Southeast Idaho, where I lived at the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. With COVID, we I switched <laughs> industries altogether, and I moved states. So I'm no longer in Idaho, but uh, that was that was where that all happened. That's where I wrote the book. That's where I published the book. Moving it's to just, Utah, it's just been recent. So I've talked to quite a few authors, as you know, um, you know, mm-hmm. New York Times bestselling authors. I was just yeah. talking to an audiobook narrator and um, never, ever, ever heard the concept of someone going through a Ren fair to find the audiobook narrator. Now I'm thinking people at Ren fair should just set up a booth for audiobook narration. Maybe that seems like a good... Um... Yeah, see what they can pull in. See what they can pull in. We, uh, we took and we did the first one and then he offered to do the audio for the second book. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And he said, and the second book's going to be on me. And so I don't even have to pay him for the second book. And I'm like, that's exceptionally generous, but uh, okay. Um, awesome. Not at but all? Or he just he... wants the sequel. He just, he just wants early access to the sequel, he said. And so I'm like, yeah, okay, that works. Because oh, I'm actively I mean, because, working on book two. Okay, because sometimes, you know, a narrator will do the second book for free and they'll get a cut of the sales. And I'd be willing to negotiate something like that with him. Because the only reason I know about all of this is I literally just dropped an episode yesterday, like last night. The it episode got uploaded dropped. last night? Yeah, yeah. It's it's available now. It's on audiobook narration. And this audiobook narrator talks about her the business aspect of narrating the book and how she can, you know, do it for free, but it's kind of a gamble because if the book doesn't sell, she doesn't make her money back. But if the book, let's say, let's say she is the narrator of Harry Potter. Like she loves the book. She's like, Close up. I'm just going to take a cut of the sales. She does not know it's Harry Potter. She, I mean, she loves the book. She does it. Well, guess what? She just made bank on that. It's a gamble. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, it is a gamble. And now so that's she's why- walking away with a fat check. Yes. Or I guess several, because that stuff lasts. Yeah, so. it, she's walking away with a, yeah, fat check and several fat checks. Um, uh-huh. When the Living book- her best life. Living yes. her best life. Living her best life when the book takes off. Mm-hmm. That That's why when you said your audiobook narrator said he'd do it for free, the second book, I was like, ooh. Because th- their costs are also, it's, it's kind of crazy. But okay, so the idea. I know you've been reading fantasy your whole life. Mm-hmm. So where did you, the idea of this book? Oh man, oh man. Did it come with one character? You're like, okay, I'm gonna take this character and oh wait, I'm gonna have this character. I'm gonna, you know, and what was that? And did you write this down or did you just wake up one morning and say, I've always wanted to be a writer. Let's write a fantasy book, Michael. Um, I guess, so I looked at, I looked at, you sent me some of the questions. Right. And that is the question that the answer is just vague, but it is what it is. And I was like, what if I come up with a good answer and just give her this answer? And I'm like, no, just be genuine. Don't make up an answer. You're stupid. So uh, honestly, it started out as several stories that had just been like mulling around. Mm -hmm. And I realized that they fit together, like just Mm -hmm. perfectly. And so all of that with the, the idea, the universe that I've been building in my head since I was a kid. Right. That I, I wanted to undertake. And there's a lot to it. Like there's going to be, a, there's going to be a series of children's books that are written in the same universe. Right. Um, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot coming out of this, this one universe because mm-hmm. it's the universe that I've been crafting forever. And so when I come up with the story, I look, does it fit into that universe or not? And if it does, Awesome. How? If it doesn't, well, then this is just a standalone that's not part of what I've what I've created. But uh, yeah, it was just several stories that have been slowly simmering, slowly brewing in my in my mind, in the back of my head. And uh, they've a, a lot of it is just from so long ago that I don't even remember where the initial spark was. And that's it's a sad answer and it's a pathetic answer, but it's the truth. Hey, sometimes it 
it's like the story, you just kind of, you write and then it goes where it goes. So it doesn't matter sometimes where the spark came from. You're like, I don't know. I'm just, I've been writing it for so long. I don't even know where it came from, which is totally fine. I mean. Yep. Yep. And then you go with it or you, it goes away. And I, uh, I watched, a th- uh, actually I've watched a bunch of stuff by Stephen King. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of him as an author. Uh-huh because of the interviews I watched, I actually haven't read Stephen King before. I've seen some of his movies, uh-huh. um, I, but I haven't actually read it. It's on my list of people to read. But uh, he says something to the effect of uh, a notebook is a great way to immortalize a bad idea. <laughs> and so the, I, yeah, isn't it great? That is such a great way to, a notebook yeah. is a great way to immortalize a bad idea. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's and that's, that's obviously not verbatim, but that's the gist of what he said. And uh, at the time I had been using a notebook for everything. And I'm like, huh, so let's try his writing process. Um, meanwhile, you, do you know who Brandon Sanderson is? No, I do not. He is kind of one of the main faces in uh, modern fantasy. Okay. Right now. Um, have you heard of the Wheel of Time series have by not. Robert Jordan? I haven't read every series in the world. Okay. That's fine. Read, That's fine. I've read a few um, here and there. Okay. Wheel of Time and Lord of the Rings are like the two biggest okay. old school fantasies ever. Wheel of Time, it's like 15 huge books. Like the number of words in that series is Lord of the Rings pales in comparison. It's, wow. it's tiny compared to it. It's huge. Um, Robert Jordan was the author of Wheel of Time. Um, he, he passed away. Okay. And his wife brought on Brandon Sanderson and he finished the series for him. But he's, he's one of the big names in fantasy. And I've been, he teaches a class, like a college class at a university on mm-hmm. creative writing. And then he uploads it onto YouTube for people to watch for free. He doesn't hide it behind a paywall. Like, uh, what's that? There's uh, an app. And a website out now where you can pay people for their expertise. Is that Can't remember right? the name of it. It's eluding me. I do not like know. Gordon Ramsay's on it and he teaches you how to cook stuff. And there's other. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, it. yes, yes. You know I what know, I'm talking uh, about? I know what you're talking about. Uh, masterclass. Yes, yes, exactly. It's not hidden behind a masterclass. He just puts it on YouTube. And so I've been going through that, taking notes and doing stuff. And I've learned that what I do is similar to what he calls discovery writing. It's okay. where you have a start point, and this is his learning plus my methods. Um, a start point and an end point, and you just sit down and write and weave as you go. And that was book one. That's how I wrote book one. And book two, the universe I've created is just, it's too big to keep it all in my head. It's too big. Um, and so far, I'm doing a pretty good job at it, but I'm mm-hmm. employing more of his method now that he uses and so there's a lot more structure to it. I'm, I'm actually really excited about book two. I'm really excited about book two. Because right. in book one, it was like a quick paced, fast read that gets you immersed into the world and the characters. Sure. And you hit, you hit the ground running in book one. You hit right. the ground running from prologue on. Mm-hmm. Um, book two, you're already in the world. Right. You already have an idea of what's going on, which means that I can start really world building. And I'm so excited. I put so much work into the research for it and everything. And so it's, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Okay. Yeah, I've, um, I have an, a fantasy author who, um, he's a wonderful guy, Kristen Sterling. He's been on my podcast several times. And uh, he has, he said he's been building this world for 10 years. He's writing three trilogies. I mean, three trilogies. It's, it's crazy, but uh, love his books. But uh, that's the thing with world building. I mean, I think he had a board with all these, like a map and structures and all of that. And it's crazy when you do fantasy, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. I There's a map building website I'm using. Okay. Yep. It's, uh, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but I like it. It, it feels fun and rewarding and good. So that's good. So how are you, how are you marketing this book? Oh my gosh. I hate marketing. <laughs> I hate marketing. You got to make your money somehow. I, I suck at marketing. It is what it is. I write books. And then they're like, also you're a marketer if you're an uh, independent publisher. And I'm like, 
huh, okay, <laughs> I can do this, but no, I'm not. So Amazon has a few built-in features that can help you market. Right. I've like done a little bit of digging into that and tried to figure out how to use it. And I use it um, here or there. The thing, honestly, that they, that it always comes back to is if you know one famous person, have them tweet your book. That's the biggest thing you can do. Well, yeah, I mean, but if you, you've got to know a famous person to do that. Right, right. And I, I mean, like, I don't know anybody famous. Right, exactly. So, but there are people who, who have worked through it. They've p- placed um, directed Amazon ads. Yeah. Where if someone else is looking for a different book. So like, for example, let's say, I want to buy Harry Potter. So I go on Amazon and I'm just going through this Harry Potter book because someone told me I have to buy it. And as I go down and as I scroll, it says people who bought this also bought this. But also people who bought this, you know, you may be interested in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Michael Erickson's Lost Boys. And for that, that would be a sponsored post. I don't know how it works, but I just yeah. learned about that. But that's, that's the, money. That's the inside stuff that Amazon has. And I've, I've used it and I do use it. It just, the more money you put in, the more turnaround you see. And so I haven't thrown a lot at that. Right. No. It, it, it's like, not necessarily the more money you put in, the more turnaround you see. I think it's about... The targeting. If you targeted it right, it just needs targeted right. Maybe I'm just bad at targeting. (laughs) No, it's about targeting right because if you're targeting it right, then Amazon apparently will email you and say, "Hey, you put in so much, you've got so much. I think you should put in more. You could get so much more." And uh, yeah, I was talking to a best-selling author actually yesterday, not for my podcast, totally different app. Talking to a best-selling author, she started off with you know not being bestseller she just started off with this amazon targeted ads she did her research on 100 famous books that were kind of similar to hers and somehow she was talking about targeting the ads where people looking up at that book would probably see this and you should get her on your podcast i'd watch that i'd listen to it yeah i need to get her on my podcast i take notes (laughs) i know i was just like oh my gosh i totally forgot i I probably can make a contact with her. I'll figure it out. But yeah, I I wasn't even thinking. I was just chatting with her on a different app and I was just chatting and sometimes can't be on all the time thinking, hey, you need to be on my podcast. And you know, once I hung up, I'm going, she needs to be on my podcast. But anyway, Uh oh, well, life goes on. You know, you miss, you know, it's get some, you miss some. So it'll come back around or it won't. Well, it will, it will. I'll find her again. It's not nice. an issue. Um, how many books do you have planned for the series or is there no plan at all? Thoughts um, on that? For the series, yeah, it's the number of books isn't planned because I'm, it's a dance. I'm dancing between book length and book numbers. Um, one of the things that I love and hate is when an author releases a book that's crazy long. It's a crazy long book. Um, and then you go and you purchase the book and you listen to the thing and it takes you forever. Cause it's like 30, 40 hours of listening in the one book. And then you're done for like three years because that's not sustainable every year for that author to release a book that big every year. Right. Um, And so that's why it's a love-hate relationship. And so I don't want it to be too long because I want to be somewhat consistent in release dates. Right now, I'm looking to hopefully be two years apart. If I can get it sooner, I will. 18 months is like the, oh, that would be nice. But we'll see. We'll see. Where we just moved, we're renovating the home we moved into. I don't know if you can see all the stuff behind us, but it's not exactly in the best order at the moment. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, but uh, anyways, so for me... There's just, I, I have the whole story plotted out. I know from beginning to end how it's going to be. I know what's going to happen to the characters, although I don't like plot armor. So I'm open to change a character's story, sure. um, which my, my dad, I, I bounce ideas by him. He reads everything right as I write it. 
because I write it on Google Docs and I add them to the files and he reads it and then he texts me or calls me and says, I can't believe what you just added or I didn't understand that. I'm like, yeah, I was tired. I'm going to go and rework it. Stuff like right. that. But uh, I, I guess really where I'm going with this is I want it to be short enough that I can sustain the release dates. So, okay. and as the world grows and as I incorporate things, I feel like each book just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. So we'll see how it pans out, but right. I'm hoping for five. The goal is five. five right now, books. as it's mapped out, it's going to be five books in the series. Uh, are you uh, signed up with Amazon as a contract, which means that you cannot sell your book to another publisher? Do you have any kind of contract like that? or um, With the audio book, yes. I am under a contract for the Audible. Okay. For the audio book, but for the physical book, no, I'm not. The okay. physical book, I can sell it wherever, however I want. And you even have an ebook, right? Yeah, the ebook is also on, it's on Kindle books. Right, right. I mean, because here's the thing, like, let's say a top, top, top publisher, I don't know, Simon & Schuster, they came up to your tour books, you know, they came up and they said, mm-hmm. hey, I love this book. Some, you know, there's some authors who are signed into contracts with. Mm-hmm with Amazon where they're like, oh, I can't get out of this for another year. I need, I, you know, give me, I'll contact you in a year or something because you've already signed it that you will not put it mm-hmm. anywhere else. So you don't have that. You just nope. have, it's only with Audible. So how long for Audible? Um, I do believe it was a year from the release date and that's coming up here soon. I've got, I think I've got like four months left. Um, then I can renew and stay in their program or I can opt out of their program. I can stay on audible, but it like changes the benefits I get out of it, but I don't have any plans on going to a different audio distribution method. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Audible's kind of the, the go-to right now. So I'm just, no, I, yeah. Stay in there. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just curious about what authors do and why and it's also intriguing for me because there are all these other audiobook platforms out there. Like, for example, iBooks has its own audiobooks. Yeah, I've Google heard Books that. has its own audiobooks. Libro FM has a great platform. So many audiobook platforms. I do not know all of them. Apparently, there's over 25 audiobook platforms. Which I didn't know I, that. I'm, yeah, I did not know that either. I'm actually going to be interviewing someone who will be talking about audiobook production like I had an audiobook narrator I'm I'm working on getting an audiobook producer on the podcast I'm really intrigued by because he told me there's like 25 other uh, platforms so it's always intriguing to me to think in terms of how are the other platforms maintaining themselves because like like you said you just want to be on audible and you're like, oh, I'm just going to be on Audible. It's the biggest platform. So then I'm kind of like, what about all these other platforms? How are they maintaining it? They're missing out on all these books. I wonder if there's a niche in those particular, I don't know. That's a good question. Right. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm just, I just, you know, I'm. Man, Janice, I didn't bookies. know you were going to give me homework. Now I have to look that up. Well, I'm <laughs> sorry, man. I mean, I, maybe I should put that in the disclaimer. Welcome to the Living a Life Through Books podcast. At the end of this episode, after you record with me, you will have homework. Yeah. A reading assignment of such and such. Exactly. You know, I'm happy to help that way. So, okay, let's talk about um, your top five favorite books of all time. Oh my God. Okay. So there's a book series by Jim Butcher called the Dresden files. I want to read it at people tell me it's amazing. Oh I need gosh. to read it. I know. I know. It's just, I need to read this. I wrote the first book and I let a friend read it. And he said, you should read this book series, the Dresden files. Have you ever read it? And I said, no, I haven't. There were so many similarities between the protagonist of my book and the protagonist of that book uh-huh. that I had to rewrite the protagonist of my book because it, it honestly, they felt like the same character. I'm like, that doesn't work for me. Like, uh-uh, that's going to, cause he's been published forever. I just hadn't heard of him or read any Yeah, Jim Butcher has been like forever, mm-hmm. ever. I mean, he has like, I don't know how many, excellent, 20. Excellent author. 
I love the way he writes. I love the way he writes. Um, but uh, I don't want Gulliver Higginbotham to seem like a carbon copy of Harry Dresden. Okay. And so I'm like, no, no. And so I had to change his character completely. And so uh, like even the way he was dressed was identical to the way that uh, Harry Dresden dresses. And I'm like, Mm-mm, can't do that. And so, but then I did read the the first book. I, I lied. I didn't read it. I do audiobooks. I don't have time to sit there and it's read. The I have thing. to do it's it on fine. the book. It's still yeah. same. I mean, I, I consider audiobooks as absolutely reading, but. I love that's... it. I'm in. I'm jumping on that one. Yeah, so I, I read the first book, loved it. Went through the whole series. He released two books here last year, I think it was. And I thought they were excellent. Very, very good. But uh, he, right now he's number one. He's number one because it's new and it's fresh and it's exciting. Okay. Um, after that, I'm probably going to have to go with the Wheel of Time series. So that one, Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings is three. I'm going to give that number that. three. Lord just of the kidding. Rings? Just kidding, like, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just <laughs> kidding. I love it. I love it. Your expression was priceless. Unfortunately, I'm not doing this on the video, but it was great. You were like, what the? Yeah, it was. It I was, was like, ah, ah. Oh, oh. um, like, have you heard podcast. of the fantasy genre, Shana? Yeah, yeah, have you even heard of this? I mean, just quit podcasting. What are you talking about? <laughs> bookish person. What kind of bookish person hasn't heard of Lord of the Rings? I haven't read it, but I have heard of it. And I yeah. have, you know. Lord of the Rings um, is number three. I am actually watching the movies with my girls right now. Okay. We have a, we're doing the extended editions. We have a half hour left in the final movie. And I've realized that J.R.R. Tolkien is a phenomenal storyteller, but after having read the books, he's horrible at writing the, the action sequences, in my opinion. And the movie takes his bad action sequences and turns them into something huge and awesome. Right. Huge and awesome. I've heard but anyway, so he's number three. The Name of the Wind series this is going to sound a little critical and I don't mean it as critical. So okay. follow me down the rabbit hole just for one sec. I feel like the protagonist of that character is a little cliche. Okay. As you're t going through the story. However, it's it, the story is written in past tense as the protagonist current is telling mm -hmm. about his former exploits. And you okay. see the protagonist current is a shell of himself. And it's like, well, look how awesome he is in these. And the way he takes something that seems so cliche and overpowered and just, eh, and weaves it into a story is just phenomenal. And I have mad respect for the way that guy tells stories. Okay. Excellent, excellent storyteller, in my opinion. And then five is going to be Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. The Harry Potter I, I, I was going to say, I've never heard of that, but then you you wouldn't get, the, I mean, you would totally, like, that joke would fall flat because... Well, I mean, we already talked about it. We already talked about <laughs> it. It would be like, that's not funny. You're not a comedian. Just stick to podcasting, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're pretty funny. I like talking to you. So, okay. Um, top three favorite authors. Oh, my gosh. So, when I look at an author... I don't look at it like, oh, this author is definitively better than this author. I feel like different authors have their strengths. Right. For example, um, Joe Rowling, a Harry Potter author. Mm -hmm. I feel as though her stories feel like they evolved as she wrote them. Okay. Um, I feel like, you have you read all of the Harry Potter series? All seven. I haven't read okay. all seven. People talk about all these different plot holes in the Harry Potter series. The one that gets me the most is you're having a war against this wizard right. who just kills everybody. Right. But you show up, oh my gosh, he was just here. He killed them. But you also have this ability to time travel. Just give every horror a time turner. All right, everyone, three flips. Let's go. Boom, boom. And boom. And then all of a sudden, these guys appear in the room surrounding the bad guy. Easy win. Easy win. Like, are you kidding me? Why wouldn't they do that? Obviously, you would use time travel. Time travel is so overpowered in every situation. And they just like, it, it, it felt like it was a plot device that was introduced just for the Hermione character in book three and for the resolution in Prisoner of Azkaban. Right. And I feel like it created plot holes. And uh, I don't feel like she's the best at tying up plot holes. However, in my opinion, and I know this is everybody's taste, but in my opinion, the way she tells a story is captivating. Right. I love that about her. Um, 
Brandon Sanderson, the the way that he thoroughly builds plots is just unmatched. I, I love the way he builds plots and his world building is just excellent, excellent stuff. Jim Butcher, captivating. But the thing I like about him the most is he can throw in a twist. Okay. Like the end of one of his books, you just sit there and like that, just quiet, just in shock. And you just sit there. And the book is called Changes. I'm not going to tell you the stuff that happens because I want you to experience that organically at some point. I think you okay. should read the Jim Butcher series. It's a big undertaking. There's like 15 books. I know. But they're no, not I very know. long. I know. They're not it's, very long. It's, you know, I could t- undertake all these books and I'd have to stop the podcast. The other uh, thing is with the podcast, I've been, as a rule, I mean, generally I've been reading all the books that when I interview an author, I uh-huh. generally do that. And I get all these books from publishers and, it's like, okay, I've got to talk to this author. And uh-huh. at some point I got to balance out the books I want to read, the books with the publisher, because some of them I want to read. Some of them are really great. So it's just balancing all of that out uh-huh. with the book I'm, I'm writing and um, everything else. So you got to get Jim Butcher on your podcast. That's an excuse to read his stuff. That's all that means. Hey, do you know him? If, if I did. If I did, I would I would give you actually I would give him your contact information because I'm sure he's busy and inundated. Yeah, I'd be like, dude, Jim, please, please come Get on, on my the podcast. podcast. Yeah, yes, if, I would if love I, to if have I had Jim. his information, I would reach out to him and send him your way. But I don't. Yeah, well, don't. you know, uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, I would love to have like Jim Butcher on my podcast or anyone, you know, like uh-huh. even Marie Lou. Have you ever read her books, Marie no. Lou? No. I just read one, okay, Sky Hunter, which is just part one. Part two is coming out this uh, end of uh, this year, I hope. She left that stupid book in a cliffhanger. I was so mad. So I was reading this book and I'm just all in it, in it, in it. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, what happens next? Next, I didn't realize it was a part one. I did not even realize. Not only did I not realize it's a part one, didn't realize she was going to leave it in a cliffhanger. So yeah. I'm like reading this. Okay, okay. So then this happens. This character goes here. Oh wow. Oh my gosh. Okay, how are they going to resolve this? Oh my gosh. And then it's like, ah, what do you mean? And I'm like, yeah, I was yeah. just crazy. What are your but thoughts on cliffhangers? What's that? What are my thoughts on cliffhangers? Right now, I'm ticked off at Marie Lou. Still ticked <laughs> off. Several months later, do you want to know what my thoughts are on cliffhangers? I think okay. I think it needs to be, I, okay, I don't like cliffhangers. I like, <laughs> I like, I know why an author leaves a cliffhanger, you know, to get the readers back. But here's the thing though, right? I read that book several months ago. And so now to get back in it, I'm kind of like, okay, wait, wait, she is where now? She's here. So let's, it, it loses the flow and continuity is what I think. There's another book. Mm-hmm. You know, with series, like there's another book. What is it here? Um, okay, oh yeah. Sky Beyond the Storm. That's book four of a, of what I thought was a trilogy series. And, you know, started off with Ember in the Ashes, or maybe that's part two. Anyway, so I read part one and then part two left in a, different way. It wasn't a cliffhanger, but it was different. I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy it. And the author originally I thought was going to be a trilogy. And then after book three, I'm like, F you. But then book four came out. I've already read three. I got to read book four, except this is like several, this is almost three, four years later. So now I'm oh, kind of like, God. oh no. Uh, do I just pick this up? Because I don't even remember the names of the main characters. Yeah, do I reread the old stuff? What do I got to do? Yep. Yeah, that, so those kind of issues, I have a major issue with things like that. I know Harry Potter was released like that. I don't even know how we remembered all these characters through and we just followed it. And But, but Harry Potter was nice because it wasn't really a cliffhanger, but it really... But it did set up for more. It did set up for more, but yep. it really parceled it well. Like for example, book four, you know, we have like, oh wow, Voldemort is alive. Uh-huh. It's set up for the next set. Uh-huh. But it ended it with a nice, okay, so-and-so dies, you know, you go in the maze, this is what happened. Uh-huh. Here you go, and it's it's the end. But if if say book four ended with 
where you don't know if Voldemort's coming alive, but he could, but we don't know. And it's right there when you find out if he's gonna come alive or not, and it's the end. That is the kind of thing I don't, you know, mm -hmm. that's the kind of cliffhanger. So that full disclosure, of book one of mine is a cliffhanger. It is a cliffhanger for sure. Um, some people who have given me feedback have loved the cliffhanger. Other people who have given me feedback are like, I hate you so much. I hate you. Where's right. the other book? Where's like the story's not done. What's your problem? And it's like, I wanted a cliffhanger. That's what I wanted. Um, book two is not going to be a cliffhanger. Book two is going to neatly tie off a lot of the plot lines while setting up for future. Okay. Setting up for future. Um, but book one is a cliffhanger. I actually like a cliffhanger. I no, think they're awesome. It's fine. I just, for me, I would like to know if it's going to be a cliffhanger, then I'm prepared for it. Well, I'm really not prepared for it. I probably would be like, <laughs> okay, fine. Fine, Michael. It's a cliffhanger. When you have your books out, then I will start. I'm uh -huh. not going to start now. I will delay my start. But that's a personal choice. And I think uh -huh. it's only fair to let the reader know that this is what like, I'm going to Instead of an explicit language sticker, put like a cliffhanger sticker on it, just a little warning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, seriously, like, you know, cliffhanger <laughs> warning or some, I don't know, you know, people have like, these days they have like in reviews and stuff, they have, um, what is it? They have uh, sensitivity warnings like, oh, uh, this book discusses rape and this book discusses uh, abuse and this book discusses blah, blah, blah issues because people are like, well, people get really affected because these happened in their lives and they just can't read it. Okay, I get, I mean, I know it's a little different, but cliffhanger hurts me, okay? It hurts me. It's just freaking hurts me. I was me pretty sure you just, you just, you just drew a comparison between cliffhangers and rape. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it hurts, okay? That hurts deep. Okay, that's it. I'm the people are gonna like. I'm gonna be picketed for my podcast. You know, yep. it's like going. Cancel culture is gonna get you. I know. Cancel culture is totally gonna be like, what the heck is wrong with this? Take it down. We don't live a life through books with her. We do it on our own. We're like done. We're done. I mean, come on. Did you just say that? I don't know. Okay. 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 But I don't like cliffhangers. That's just my personal thing. Uh. I mean. I'm kind of like still mad at Marie Lou, but I, but I have the see, I have other series of hers, the full series. So I'm really glad. Like now when I have a full series, I can read it. I mean, Harry Potter hurt a little bit, but there was some closure, but you got to give me huh? something. There is a, I think the lion's share of the folks who have reached out to me have said, not a fan of cliffhangers. And so I think that's why, no, that I, I don't think that's why I know. That's why I decided for book two to give people closure to give that to them at the end of book two. And uh, that's the plan. <laughs> you know, okay, you read a book and you wanna go into another world, you wanna feel good mm. and you close the book and you feel good and you smile. It's like, okay, whatever that experience was, it's great. But you really, you can't close, you close the book. There's just, it leaves you with, it just leaves you hanging. So, so that that experience of, of this package of, oh, I feel so good after this, after all of this, whatever the pros that a book gives you, I feel a cliffhanger takes it away. That's my perspective on it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, the thing I love about cliffhangers is it gives people a chance to think about it, to try and figure it out. See if they can, I, one of my favorite things in the world is when people send me messages guessing what's gonna happen with each character. I love it. Sometimes I'll just ask people, what do you think is gonna happen? And I love hearing it. Sometimes people get part of it right. No one has ever guessed it right. No one has ever guessed it all the way right. However, I'm sure that if it gets big enough and people all over the world, somebody's gonna get it right. And I'm just gonna smile and not say anything. Cause that's what I do. That's what I do. If they're wrong, if they're right, I just smile and don't answer and don't tell them. Well, is it gonna be like this? We'll see. Right, right. I used to tell people, but as the story changes and evolves, I am a huge believer in not granting characters plot armor. I think if a character's right, it's their right place and time to die, they should die. 
Right. And then they miraculously escaped because he has to fight Voldemort later. Are you kidding me? No, that was a giant snake and he's 12. He should be dead. Like if he makes eye contact, well, a phoenix showed up. Yeah, a phoenix showed up. Like this all powerful phoenix just knew he was down there fighting. Why didn't it go down there and plug its eyes out preemptively? Get out of here with your plot armor. Drives me insane. But uh, so a lot of the stuff that I'm like, yeah, this character is going to do this that I've told people already. Like, I don't think there's one thing that I've told people that is still going to happen that are like big things. And sometimes I tell people stuff that's not real just to mess with them. But uh, right. that's just because I have a sadistic sense of humor. So that's a problem with me, not them. <laughs> okay. But yeah, well, no. I like it to be able to grow and be organic. Well, I um, I wish you well with all of that. I hope your book just takes off and does well. I'm really excited about your journey. This is great. It's always good to um, hear from another author who just decided to go there and and uh, capture the world. So uh, good yeah. luck to you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being on my podcast and uh, it was great chatting. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. That's my conversation with M.P. Erickson. I really enjoyed chatting with him and I hope you did also. If you want to know more about Erickson or his book, go to his website at www.mperickson.com. I will add the link in the show notes. And that's it for this time. Before I go, if you are on the audio app Clubhouse, please look up my name and follow me there. I'll be happy to do a room with you. Living a Life Through Books is a club now on Clubhouse, so please join the club. One more club information. I have several invites under the Living a Life Through Books club on Clubhouse. So if you want to get in, contact me. I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app, Libro.fm, lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your local favorite bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from bestsellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get two books for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that is L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code L-L-T-B podcast. With every listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the links in the show notes. If you love this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram on Living a Life Through Books. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. Join the conversation with me on the audio app called Swell. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's a different kind of audio app, but it's still a good way to reach me. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S H A H N A Z A H M E D dot com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavic. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time. <laughs>